Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to Episode 79 of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here, along with Kurt Mortensen, live in the field with all kinds of live persuasion action going on. Or either that or he was just too busy to get to his computer to do this on Skype today. How's it going, Kurt? <laughs> hey, I'm doing well. It's uh, good to be here. I love talking about persuasion, doing some lots of trainings this week, and feeling a little sore. I've been cranking up my exercise a little bit, and it's, I thought I was doing pretty good, but then that soreness hits, and I'm feeling it today. But a good day otherwise. Okay, good, good. <laughs> well, I was in San Diego for a wedding all weekend and went to the San Diego Zoo. That thing is huge. I had never been to the San Diego Zoo before. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. It is impressive. I think all the animals, they put in their transfer request to go to San Diego, so it gets bigger than they expect. <laughs> I guess <laughs> so. They don't want to deal with the Detroit winters if you're a lion, because that, wait a minute. <laughs> hey. Africa, Detroit, San <laughs> yeah. Diego, that <laughs> yeah, could be a problem. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I saw this, uh, a couple of gigantic elephants, and uh, these elephants, actually, they get checkups every day at the zoo, and they get a pedicure every day, because I guess walking around being so heavy is really hard on their uh, on their nails, so I thought... Uh, you know, I, I don't think I'd want to be roaming the African savanna. I'd rather be at the San Diego Zoo. Yeah, that's better health care than anybody else gets. Yeah. <laughs> Check up every day, a pedicure. Yep. Wow, something's wrong. <laughs> yep. Now, are you bracing for the hate mail that we're going to get from the animal rights people? Yeah, I guess. I guess the animals have more rights than anybody else. Yeah, well, you have to defend somebody, so it might as well be them. Yeah, well, it's their turn. It's your turn, animal rights people. So, yeah, uh, I couldn't get enough of the orangutan exhibit. Those things were hilarious. They're just running around, fighting with each other. I mean, it's just kind of surreal seeing them move around like that. <laughs> it's like, like natural comedians. It's like they know they're milking the audience, like they're going to get tips or something. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I swear that's what they're doing. So, well, yeah, went to the zoo, got back last night. Here we are back into the world of persuasion today. We've got... Uh, some good information on an article about optimism for you. We have a, another Persuasion IQ question that we're going to allow you the cheat sheet on. So if you want to take the Persuasion IQ test, go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com and scroll to the bottom, and you'll see a link to the Persuasion IQ test there. You can't miss it. And we're giving away answers on the last couple of episodes so you can supercharge your scores and all that fun stuff. And you can also find out more about Persuasion University, at the website. Go. There are free options. There are options for if you really want to kick it up a notch and get become a much better persuader. We'd love to have you aboard the program. But today, Kurt has an article where we've talked a little bit about this before, but a new article has come out again about having an optimistic spouse. Apparently, the evidence is just overwhelming about how good this is for your health. Yeah, it's amazing as far as yeah, be optimistic, be optimistic. And we'll talk about that. And this, of course, is from your favorite, the Journal of Psychosomatic Research. Yes. That you've, I'm sure you're reading on the plane. But it's interesting that we know about your own personal optimism, but this is someone else that you're living with. An optimistic spouse has positive effects on that person's health and that person's own positive outlook. And so what they're saying is that optimism, hands down, impacts your health. You look at your close relationships, 
optimism prediction, enhanced satisfaction, and better cooperative problem solving. So it's not only health, it's problem solving, it's satisfaction. And it was interesting. They looked at about around 4,000 adults, and they tracked them over four years. And they looked at their physical functioning, which would be their mobility and motor skills, their health and their chronic diseases. And they found that it was optimism of their spouse that made a huge difference in their ability to stay positive and it made a huge difference in their health and it made a huge difference in their happiness. That's pretty convincing stuff. And I think we usually want to get more into that, but it ties into the show today. So we don't want to steal the thunder from our main, our main question here and probably giving away the answer. But we've got a persuasion IQ question that we're just going to roll right into now, Kurt, if that's okay, because it, you know, usually we hash this out a little bit more, but these things blend. What number one characteristic is naturally found in most great persuaders? A, empathy, B, optimism, C, sympathy, D, congruence, or E, vision? They're all important, but I'm sure that you're not going to be shocked to learn that the answer is B, <laughs> optimism. So many of these it other is. things come from optimism, and it, it just it, it covers a a bunch of other mistakes that you can make if you're an optimistic person because people want to be around you. So what I wanted to ask you while you were talking about this during your your geeky article moment there, which we didn't cue up Urkel because you just you just can't handle it being yeah. out in the field today. <laughs> yeah, it's a little little less on the Urkel. I get Urkel indigestion sometimes, so because yeah. it's a pacifist. Okay, okay, we'll give Kurt a week off. So it <laughs> the optimism factor, I know people who are just negative people. It's almost like it's their DNA. They can't help but look on the dark side of things, right? They're they always looking for the negative side. It's in their nature. What do we do about that? That's tough. I mean, we can all learn optimism. We've talked about that before. And some people, I think, as they age and the world beats them up, they become more and more pessimistic. And if we're around them, we become more and more pessimistic. I think it's important to try to see the potential positive outcomes of the challenges, not to be so sensitive of the pessimistic people around us when they criticize us. That's a big part of it. Now, when we try to look at what's right versus what's going to go wrong, that makes a huge difference. And sometimes these negative people around us, can we control that relationship? Can we see them less? Can we prepare ourselves not to let them suck the life out of us? See, it's important to know that, you know, life, there is bumps in the roads. And when you're feeling down, you're feeling low, a lot of times, a simple solution, if we're stuck in that pessimistic track, if we're stuck looking at the world in a negative way, the easiest solution for anybody is go serve somebody, go help somebody, go to a soup kitchen. When we're helping other people, doing little things, could be a kind compliment, buying somebody lunch. When we're helping other people, it's amazing how that pessimism starts to erode away. Yeah, I think that's true. You help somebody else out, you do a little act of service, and it starts to go. I'll give you a real example right now. I had a lead come into my office about six weeks ago, and I was super excited about it because the location of this property was a really good part of town. I was going to be able to get it for a really great price. I had the appointment set up and everything, right? Well, about an hour before the appointment, the prospect called and canceled and said, we've got to do this at another time. I'm kind of like, when? Well, I don't know. It, and it was hard because she insisted on leaving it very open-ended. I did everything I can to make that not be the case, but that's just how it was going to be that day. It was tough. 
So I think a, a pessimistic person would have just got really down and, and stopped working for a while and would have just written this off. But I followed up with this lady. I don't want to say like crazy, because if I did it like crazy, I would have scared her off completely. Right. Uh, heard nothing from her, heard nothing from her. I just kind of put some faith in the fact that the follow-up system was going to work. And a couple hours ago, she called me. She's ready. We've got an appointment later today. I'm going to see the house, right? So what are some of the little things that we can do every single day when we have these little moments of rejection that happen in sales because they happen all the time? Are there little, I don't know, affirmations or techniques or anything that we can do to build that up and just make ourselves a little bit more positive and optimistic? That's a great question because we all suffer from that, especially in the world of persuasion and influence and sales because we have to deal with that rejection. And realize that optimism is more than PMA, that positive mental attitude, or sitting on the couch thinking, I'm the best that we've talked about before. True optimism is a frame of mind that governs how you look at the world. Optimism means having expectations that things will eventually turn out okay. You felt that if you were nice and did things the right way, it could turn out okay. Being optimistic means that you really believe that you will eventually accomplish everything you set out to do. And that means achieve your goals and whatever your vision is. Optimism is when you transfer your hope and courage to others and you will be more inclined to be led by you. Because if you took that call and you were negative and you pessimistic, she's never going to call me back, she's just blowing smoke, whatever it is, you would have felt that and you never would have got that call back. Because pessimism sucks the life out of your prospect. They can see it. And the studies are amazing as far as when you look at wealthy and successful people, they tend to be more optimistic. And, in fact, personally, when you are optimistic, you live longer, you're more motivated, you perform better, you have better relationships. I know it's a process. I know we can get beat up. But just getting up, serving somebody, looking at your goals, having a vision, eating a piece of chocolate, whatever works for you, but your frame of reference is important here, that it'll work out. I know in the speaking and training world where I live that when I first started out, that was a lot of free presentations yeah, where I had yeah. to come in and speak for free and prove my worth. And that was the only real way to get started because that got more referrals, more training. And it was hard at first because a lot of times people don't appreciate what it takes to speak for two, three, four, five hours. And sometimes your audience is hostile and sometimes negative things happen, but eventually, you know, things work out. People call you back. The door is open for other opportunities, and that's a critical thing in this world because if you shut somebody down, if they feel your negativism, if you kind of slam them because you don't think they're going to call you back, that has changed in the world of sales. In fact, an important safety tip when you're talking to somebody is a lot of times you might be sensing that they're going to get a no. You're, they're going to say no. Don't let them because if they say no, that shuts the door to the sale, and you can't really overcall them back. So if you're sensing somebody who's going to say no – Keep it optimistic. Don't let them say no. Say something like, you know what? Let's circle back here in a few weeks. Let me do a little more research. Let me find this out for you. Let me help you out here. Let me do this. Don't let them say no. And then in two weeks, you have another shot, another chance. The door is still open. That is part of optimism. That's part of the new world of persuasion. Yeah. I know people tune into the show to hear some groundbreaking techniques and things like that. So much of being a successful persuader is just being persistent, right? It's just being there because so many times, whether you're selling to a company or to an individual, they might have a little bit of pain. And a little bit of pain is what makes them raise their hand. They become a lead, somebody for you to contact. 
But as most of you know, just because they're a lead doesn't mean you're going to close it. Not all leads are, are created equal. But something is going to happen to that lead, to that prospect at some point in the future, which is going to make them say, I've had enough of this pain, of this problem, whatever it is, and I'm ready to do something about this right now. And the guy who stayed in front of them, who effectively marketed to him, branded himself, followed up, is going to be the first person they think of and the first person that they call. That's how it works. And you're just not going to make it in this if you're not optimistic because optimism is just a function of perspective. It's knowing that things will will eventually turn around. I, I had a day two weeks ago where I thought, what am I doing in real estate? This sucks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we've uh, all had those days. Yeah. yeah. When it rains, it pours, right? All All the crappy things tend to try to happen in one day many times. And this was certainly one of those days. And luckily, by then, I've I've had enough of those where I realized that's not representative of the whole career, of how this always goes. In fact, I know that for every one of those days, I've got one or two days where everything goes right. And the point is, is slug through it, get to the next day, because it can't always be like that. If you apply good persuasion skills over time and you're patient, you're going to come out on top. It's really tough to meet somebody who's in sales, who's been in there for a long time, who is still struggling. The people who struggle tend to bail out uh, pretty quickly. But the ones who stay in, they, they tend to do better and better every year as long as they try to better themselves. That's so true, especially that persistent part, knowing that, hey, some will, some won't. We move on. That's part of the process. It's what we do. It'll eventually work out. Persistence, I think, is a big function of optimism. And even better, I see this with great persuaders. I noticed that They'll go to an appointment or they'll call someone on the phone and they'll say, oh, we've already taken care of it. We're good. Thanks anyway. That could really throw you for a loop because you spent hours with this person. Maybe you've done things for them. You sent them emails. Maybe you sent them uh, a few packages, whatever it is. One thing I've noticed with really optimistic persuaders is they'll say something like, hey, well, that's great. I'm glad you've taken care of it. You know, I'm here to serve you. Tell you what, if we can touch base in a couple months, make sure everything's okay. Can I be number two on your list in case things don't work out? Keeping positive keeping it open versus saying something negative. Well, I've spent two hours with you. How could you do this to me versus keeping it positive and optimistic? You'd be amazed how many people in two, three, four months have not solved their problem or they got an inferior product will come back around and want to do business with you. That's exactly what we're talking. It's that event where they say, I'm ready to make a change right now, right now. And they go with a person who had that persistent level of trust built with them. That's who they call. It's just amazing how that works. So, Kurt, is there there was a movie you and I well we we saw this a lot for for a few reasons, but there was a movie going around. I think this was like 2006 or so called The Secret. Oh yeah, yeah, The Secret, <laughs> and, and The Secret. It is a very easy movie to get really excited about or to just make fun of profusely, whichever you choose to do, okay? Because those who, who believe what the, the movie The Secret talks about believe that, hey, if I'm positive and I put it out there to the universe, it's going to come back to me and I'm going to be successful, yada, yada. And then the ones who, who like to make fun of it will say that you think you can just sit in your basement and dream all day and there will be a Ferrari in your driveway when you go outside, okay? So... I want to drill down into that a little bit because to me that really tried to address the issue of optimism. It, I thought it was funny that in, in the movie, the secret, there was a guy who woke up in the morning and he bumped his head or something on his, uh, on his headboard. 
of his bed. And he said, oh, my day is just terrible. And then he stubbed his toe on the way to the bathroom. Oh, this is going to be a terrible day. And so by then he had put it out to the universe that it was going to be a terrible day. And the, the universe's minions then proceeded to make it so, right? So is there any merit to that? What, what do you think? Yeah, I hesitate here, but I'm going to say yes, because we find what we're looking for. I mean, we've seen this with, if you say you're checking into a hotel and the first two or three things go wrong, that whole trip you're looking for things that are going wrong and what they did bad and why you're going to complain versus if the first two or three things go right when you check into a hotel or, or even your presentation, whatever it is, then the person starts looking for everything that's right. So, I mean, it is kind of hokey as far as what happens in the video, but there's something about that. If we're always looking for the negative, things are going wrong, things are going to, people that are going to cut us off, people that are going to say mean things to us, we will find that. Versus being optimistic really opens the doors to persuasion. How can you influence if you don't have the right attitude or the right look? If you're sucking the life out of people, they're very difficult to influence. Because as an optimist, you will attract people to your cause, and like I say again, it will really open that door to influence. So I'm saying yes, you're going to find what you're looking for. If you're looking for someone to be negative and say mean things to you, you will find it. If you're looking for the opposite, you'll find that too. I know some people, and I'm one of them, have created what are called vision boards where they'll put it in their office or something, and it's a bunch of pictures of, I don't want to sound shallow, but stuff they want, <laughs> right? And, and <laughs> That's what a vision board is. Yeah, 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 and goals that they have so that that memory is, is fresh in their mind, right? For example, right now, I've got a goal to get to a certain weight, and I'm going to reward myself, and I'm going to buy a Colt 1911 45 caliber handgun. Uh, as long as we're offending the animal people today, I'm going to buy one of those. And so <laughs> it stays fresh on my mind all the time, and I'm excited about my goal. So I know it works for me. Is there any kind of scientific data, or is it just, you know, for some people it pumps them up, and others it just might not do anything? Well, it depends on how we're programmed. For visual people, it works great. They can see it. They can taste it. They're working towards it. Some people are auditory. They like to sit down and read their vivid vision statement. They like to read it and feel it and think about it. Sometimes kinesthetic people like to talk to others and talk about their dreams and how they're going to accomplish it and how it's going to change the world. Now, the important point here is what works for you? When you're feeling negative, when you're feeling pessimistic, what can you do? Go for a walk, look at your vision board, listen to something motivational, listen to our podcast, whatever it is, do something that works for you. Here's the difference between an average persuader and a great persuader. When an average persuader gets rejection, something bad happens, they lose the deal, it might take them two or three hours to get back on track. It might take them the next day or next week to get back on track. A great persuader, matter of minutes, they're back on track, they're refocused, who's next? That's right. When you get that no, that flat-out rejection, just know that's one less person you need to go through to get to the next yes. That's really yeah. how you have to view this kind of stuff. So... One final question, from the perspective of the the business owner, the prospect, the purchasing manager, wh whoever it is that you're trying to persuade, from their perspective, is there such thing as a persuader who is too optimistic? <laughs> Absolutely. If you're going into a situation, you know they're a diehard pessimist, and you're like, woohoo, life's great, the economy's great, everybody loves me, that will repel them. 
And that goes back to mirror matching. You need to match their attitude a little bit, match their optimism a little bit to a point where you want to slowly bring them up, but you want to be closer to their level. Otherwise, you'll repel them. You're way up here. You're in the sky. Everything's great. They're like, hey, I hate the world. Everything's wrong. You've got to come down a little bit to be able to connect with them. And then, and only then, increase your optimism and bring them up with you. Right. I had a... A guy I used to do some work with, I just thought of this while you were talking about that. We would sell rental properties that were rented out. And this particular guy, when somebody would say, well, tell me what your vacancy rate is. And what that means, everybody, if you're not, if you don't know real estate rental properties is when you rent out a house, it's not going to be rented all the time. So you have to reserve a little bit of money to deal with that vacancy portion. It's called a vacancy reserve. And it is normal. It's okay. When somebody is saying, what's your vacancy percentage? They're not throwing up a big, scary objection to you. That's a normal thing, right? It's like saying, how many hours do you sleep at night? You saying, I don't sleep at night, that, that's not going to fly. They know that's not real, okay? He would say, well, we don't have vacancies. because He had some government program where he thought that he could have them rented all the time. And even with that, it was just impossible. He did this a couple of times, and you could feel the energy just completely let out of the room. Because in an effort to be optimistic and to be confident, it came across as fake and uh, dishonest, frankly. We all know that there's real life, that things happen. And there's that fine line between being, I'm optimistic, we're doing great things, and you know, hope for the best, yet prepare for the worst. That's right. You have to match your personality. There's actually someone we both know that during the course of a meeting, the first thing he wants to do is fight about something. <laughs> We get it out of our system, we fight about it, we go on, and then we slowly build it up from there. But that's how he is, that's how he's programmed, that's how he sees the world. And, oh, yeah, you know, let's fight about something, it's something minor, nothing, something that's not a big deal, but that gets it out, and then from there, things go up from there. Have to do the ritual, yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, Kurt, I don't know if you can even do it from your cell phone, but maybe we'll do it during the edit. Cue up the blunder. All right, homework. Go, 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 go. There's Homer. So we've got a, this is actually a blunder slash ninja. Cue the ninja too. Oh, wow. Double dipping. Here's the ninja. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sometimes a blunder begets a ninja, right? And that's what happened in this instance. I drive my car a lot. And that means I go through a lot of tires. And one of my tires was pretty low the other day. Got tired of inflating it over and over again. Told me that, hey, this wasn't just a cold weather, low tire pressure situation. The tire had a leak. So I had purchased some of these tires at Big O Tires before, and I went over to Big O. They told me that this particular tire needed to be completely replaced. And I don't know, something just wasn't right about it. Sometimes you feel like the sales guy is giving you the sledgehammer when that's not really what you need. They're just going for the commission. And I really had that that going here. Plus I thought, Hey, maybe we've got a good blunder here. We'll see. So I ended up taking the tire over to discount tire down the street. And what did discount tire tell me? Oh no, no, you don't need a new tire. We've just got to patch this stem. We do it all the time. Okay, great. What's the charge? No charge, sir. No charge at all. We'll just patch your tire and send you on your way. So who will I never go to again? And who will I always go to from here on out? Right. That's a no brainer. Oh, yeah. We've talked about optimism and perspective, and they have to have that big picture in mind and know that they have captured a customer for life now. And Big O, in an effort to get the big, quick commission, 
got nothing, nor did they get a customer for life. So that's the blunder ninja today. It's just so much is accomplished here by doing the right thing for your prospects, right? And I say it is, it's that big picture thing. And they said, well, this is going to cause us labor and the work and the time. But they were optimistic to know that, hey, if they treat you right, if they're honest every time, you're going to come back, you're going to recommend them. Long-term, the LTV, the long-term value of you as a customer is thousands of dollars versus the $20 they could have charged you. Right. And when I go back there and they tell me I need new tires, I'm going to believe them, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because they had a chance to get me before and they didn't take it. So great blunder ninja uh, for the day. So Kurt, anything else to add before we wrap it up? Let's also remember with optimism, like I mentioned earlier, you live longer, you're more motivated, you perform better, you have better relationships, your spouse will live longer. You can learn optimism. You can be more optimistic. It changes every aspect of how you see the world. You'll be happier and things work out better for you and you'll be more influential. You certainly will. You'll leap tall buildings in a single bound if you're optimistic. Is that too optimistic? Uh, well, that's, we can try it and be optimistic, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Splat. <laughs> okay. Well, good. good. So, everybody, once again, MaximizeYourInfluence.com. That's where you can read the quick blog entries that we do and link to the articles from the show. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or through Stitcher Radio, and you can also listen directly on the website. If you have comments, questions, suggestions, ninja, or blunder nominations— Send them to us at MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next week on Episode 80 of Maximize Your Influence. Big 8 see you next week. 